This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Hi everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast, and my guest today is someone I'm super thrilled to have, R.A., the Rugged Man, hip-hop legend. Thank you so much for being with me today. Nah, thank you for having me. Like like uh, we were saying before we hit record, it was a long day for both of us. Yes. <laughs> my son has a ear infection, so he didn't sleep all last night. I had to stay up with him. He stayed home from the kindergarten, and then I had to go get my daughter from the kindergarten with my sick son, and then he stayed up, and they finally passed out about 20 minutes before this show started, so I'm on no sleep, so uh, don't don't expect no uh, quick-witted sound bites and shit. It's just me <laughs> talking, so, you know. <laughs> we keep it real here? And, and I don't have loud animated shit going on because I got to talk like this because the babies, if they wake up, I'm fucked. You know? <laughs> totally understand. So yeah, I'm I'm up on you about two hours on the sleep front. I have allergies, but yeah, well, like we were talking before we started, we'll go through this. We'll see what happens, and um, I'm just really excited to have you on the show. I, I quickly want to read your bio just for any listeners not, that aren't familiar with you. Um, so bear with me a moment, please. Uh, Ari the Rugged Man is one of the most fascinating figures in hip hop history. His career spans decades and defies simple narratives. The Rugged Man has been an up-and-coming star, an industry outcast, banished and forgotten, an underground cult hero, an independent success story, and an influential master of the art form. He can obliterate rappers with ferocious battle rhymes, uh, craft heartfelt personal songs fans can relate to, offend sensitive listeners with shocking vulgarity, challenge corrupt politicians and corporations, paint pictures <clears throat> with captivating storytelling, and deliver jaw-dropping flows that prove his lyrical skills are unmatched 100%. He, he's also worked with a staggering number of hip-hop's most respected artists, including legends like the Notorious B.I.G., Wu-Tang, Tech 9 Rakim, Mob Deep, Talib Kweli, Koji Rap, Public Enemy, Brother Ali, and more. And while <clears throat> others struggle to maintain a foothold in the ever-changing rap landscape, R.A. the Rugged Man is the rare artist who has become more relevant with time with each new album more compelling than the last and man that doesn't even do justice you well, uh, who, who, who the fuck wrote that 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 wasn't that <laughs> bad I, I thought it was good i was like damn your boy that. matt sent that to me and it's yeah that's yeah. it's all true oh matt from the label i wonder if he wrote yeah. it i wonder who wrote it the professionally well done bio i like it yeah thumbs up i usually shit on the label for everything they do if they wrote that one it sounds good to me 
you know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so I figure there's a lot of terrain I want to cover with you in the time we have. But of course, I want to start with all my heroes are dead. And I'm not just saying this totally honestly that so far, this is my favorite album of 2020, hands down, without a doubt. I love all different kinds of music. I'm very eclectic. But this record is just it's hard for me to put into words like what I love about like you say in Legendary Loser, you're hip hop's Frank Zappa. And that's what I, I love about this record. You take listeners on such a ride from really emotional songs that I want to unpack a few with you in a few minutes, but also, you know, your classic, like silly, vulgar, um, you know, thought provoking everything. So all that to say, can you take me back to before you started recording the record and talk about the original vision you had for this album and if and how it uh, kind of elaborated or changed as you were working on it. Well, well shout out to the Dawn of the Dead post in the back, first of oh, all. We're going to get rest to horror, peace. too. Rest Thank in you. peace, Marrow. But no, no, he no. Signed, um, just real quick, he signed that. I got to interview him a few years oh, well, before he passed. Wow. George was yeah. a nice guy, too, right? Everybody I know Such that you know George. Yeah. I never heard a bad word about him. No, you know? real so, deal. So, yo, my my fridge started making crazy noises. Did you hear that? I did hear that. But um, uh, I was like, is the interview over? No, well, the <laughs> album, the, the way I started working on songs, I didn't have a vision for the album, you know? Like right now, if I start to do a new album, I don't have a vision. I have no idea where to even go with it yet, you know? Sure. And the way I did it last time, I was touring a lot, so I'd just go in the studio and start making records. You know, uh, I got a great engineer, Chris Conway. I got a great production team. And I just start working on music and see what happens. And then uh, as it was going, it, I made a bunch of good songs. But it didn't feel like something I cared about or was that, you know, it, didn't, it, didn't, it felt like some good rap songs. So I kind of just deaded it. Sad. You know, fuck it, you know. <laughs> and then I just started again. And then it all started kind of shaping itself into, like, since you're a fan of the album, you know yes. it's kind of like an orchestrated musical number. It's like, you know, like, and even like a lot of things get dramatic in this, the album, you know, the music is kind of composed around the drama. It's like yeah. from the intro to the outro. It's all kind of like a big uh theatrical you know uh piece Definitely. and it all kind of just slowly fell together like that and as i was making it i knew what I, I started knowing what i wanted and how i wanted to go and i realized what was missing from the album what we needed to get that in order and i just started kind of making things for what you know like a puzzle box and it, it, right. it uh when we were finished with it me and the engineer were just very very happy you know and the engineer, one, you know, Chris Conway, one of the greatest mixing engineers ever. He mixed yeah. records for all the greats and worked with all the greats. And he started crying on the train listening to it. And he said, hey, this is the album I'm most proud of out of everything I ever worked on. And, and he's worked with, like, all the greats. So I was like, wow, yeah. come to you, Chris. You know, so we, we knocked it out the park together. We, we were really proud of it. And it, it's not just me. Oh, I'm a genius. It's not right. that I have you know, the world's greatest DJs on set. I had the world's greatest MCs on set. I had like tremendous musicians from all over the planet helping. And like, you know, so, so yeah, I had a lot to do with the making of the album, but you know, I couldn't have done it without 
everybody involved. There was really a lot of great, great, greats involved with making it. So, uh, you know, and I'm real proud of it. And, and I know I pulled off what I was going for with it. I'm really, you know, a lot of, I'm my worst critic. I'm like always like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not right. This isn't right. And sometimes when you get something right, you know, you just feels right. You know, you got it right. You know, so yeah, yeah. you so definitely got it right. were able to see the vision and, and feel what yeah. we did because uh, I'm very proud of it. So, so I appreciate you understanding what we, we tried to do with that, you know, 100%. fully, uh, you know, the fact that it's like a 75, 80 minute record that in and of itself is so impressive. Like, and for me, there's not a single skippable track and that's rare. Like, you know, usually there's always a skippable track, but this record does not have that. Well, I, mean, I, yeah, I might agree with you because um, there are songs that I made for some of the degenerates that I knew were going to get like bad reviews from like pretentious ass motherfuckers. Right. And, and some people go, ah, you know, you got a really commercial, well-made album. Do you really want those? songs that are going to ruin it on there i'm like <laughs> of course i want those songs on there oh, and yeah. those are going to be my degenerate scumbag psychopath fans that were with me from day one's favorite song yeah so of course i'm not going to take those off so so i guess it depends where you are mentally and, and then on the flip side of that you know i do have the emotional softer moments on the album where i'm really yeah. trying to dig into the hearts you know pull them heartstrings and and uh, they might be the degenerate scumbag's least favorite song, you know. So, <laughs> so you know, I always said like if I made a a simple album where it was kind of ten songs, kind of on a serious tip, political a little bit, a little bit of life change and this yeah. and that, a couple flows. If I made a simple album, I think the 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 cr- critics would would understand it so more you know way more easier because you're not sure. you know but you know and because you know a lot of times critics too they 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 it's been the, the way from the beginning of history uh comedy they don't understand when you're kind of being right. sarcastic and gross and comedic and over the top they feel like the academy award winners the the person died and they're crying tears and it's sad and that's the academy you know but if you're if you're doing a Marx brother falling over the table, spitting shit out and eating a phone like Harpo Marx, then you're not, you know, that's not the real shit. That's dumb stuff, you know? So, so meanwhile, it, it, you know, Harpo Marx eating a phone is 10 times more intelligent than some girl dying in a movie and, and the, the other girl crying and they get the Academy Award. You know, it's like, yeah. so I like to do dumb shit that's, you know, a little bit more intellectual than they those people are able to see, you know, a hundred percent. See, I'm equal parts degenerate and somewhat adjusted. Like we'll get into this later. I've been through a lot of mental health issues myself, which is part of what I really love about your record. And, um, you always keep it very real, but before we get to that, um, you know, going back to, you were saying all the, the legends you have on this record from cool G rap to Ghostface, Chuck D immortal technique. And I mean, on and on, can you talk about, you know, how that all came together. Like they all showed up for you in a big way. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I was, while I was working on the records, I just said, who, who would be the perfect person for this record? You know? And, and, and I wanted a mosh, a mash out type stomp you out record. And, you know, I started with me and Chris Rivers and Paz 
on that Slayers Club joint. And then yeah. I was like, and I put together a chorus like a rowdy, you know, because I want that song when you when you do it at the show, you got the, the mosh pits going and the stomping. For sure. you, you know, you want a couple of yeah. those high energy, real punch in your face kind of records. And then um and and I knew it had to be a posse cut, but then I'm like, yo, you want to mash them out fucking song, get the mash out posse, get MOP. <laughs> so I hit up MOP and Fame and Billy and 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 then when I got Billy and them on it, I was like, yo, bring in the OG, Ice T, the original gangster, you know, Iceberg. one of the OGs of the game, you know, like yeah. who he, before there was any of these other Hollywood gangster rappers, Ice T was before all of them. So you know, there, there's Schooly D, and there's you know Ice T and Just Ice and. You know, so Ice came in with that gun talk and, and the yeah. murder talk. And, and uh, so things just felt, you know, kind of went into place, you know. And uh, it just kind of all, I, I, what do I need here? What do I need there? I know there was a moment when I had a track and I needed something kind of mellow and dope. And I wanted it to be a, a, a posse cut of some sort. And I was looking towards like a, a Run Your Jewels or a De La Soul or something, but that didn't right. happen. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I got everybody else on the planet that I wanted, you know, in fact, you know, so it's a blessing when things don't happen because then something else happens, you know, so. But, yeah. um, yeah, you know, so. Got to give a shout out to Onyx, too, on that. They're uh, been a lifelong Onyx fan, so I was well, Onyx, to see them MLP, on that. Well, uh, brand new, Ian, you know. We, yeah, we of really course. Brought out the, we brought out the banging, you know, the. the the masters on there. And Coogee yeah. Rap, originally the Dragonfire song, I was figuring, why not a Wu-Tang type of joint, you know? Ghostface yeah. and, then, and, then, and then Master Killer and maybe Raekwon or something. And, yeah. and, but I had already had a joint with Deck. So, yeah. and Ray, I, I was having trouble, you know, uh, locking Ray in. And then uh, I was like, it doesn't have to be a Wu-Tang. Or, what, what, what are you doing? I'm like, Who's your favorite rap on the planet? Who would murder this beat more than anybody? Kooji rap. Yeah. Hit up Kooji rap, sent it to him. And uh, he gave me just this ridiculously, incredibly masterful G rap, the way he does it, you know? And he, he yeah. eats motherfuckers up. And, and he came with his A game. I was really, uh, I was jumping around, bouncing around the freaking room when, when he did that verse, like excited, you know? So a lot of. Yeah. A lot of greatness on the record, man. A lot of great things on the record. A lot of things that even if I wasn't on the record, I would be very happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you are. You came in and you crushed your verse. And I want to shout then, out to you. Put out a but, really cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But then you get uh, most people aren't complaining. But then yeah. Oh, I wish he didn't have so many features. But idiots have to understand. I gave them like 13 or 14 solo tracks before right. the feature like there's 20 there's there's 20 tracks on it and i gave right. him i think 13 solo tracks and i did a lot of ass rapping like there's certain songs with four verses certain songs with three long verses so like the amount yeah. of rapping i did in them 12 or 13 tracks is more rapping than people do on two or three albums so right. nobody can complain oh too many features nah 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 we we we, we made a solid uh we made sure to make it not feel like that, you know? So. No, yeah, definitely. I love, like, the song yeah, for your daughter. I was just going to say, uh, right, the, the song for your daughter where you're, like, you're done, and then you come back and, like, no, fuck it. You do another verse, and 
Because that's well, just, you're doing what you feel. Well, that wasn't on purpose. You know what happened was, uh, I was working on that song, and I made a chorus, I, and it was a song I wanted my sister, my, my, my daughter to love, you know, and my daughter to want to listen to. And, you know, after I'm gone, she'd still listen to the song. So every chorus I was coming up with didn't feel good enough to me, you know? And I was trying all these different choruses, and then, you know, Novel, who's a great rapper and, and songwriter and singer. And he's, he's, you know, I think he was nominated for Grammys in five different categories from like country to R&B to, you know, wow. he's like a really undercover great. And his, his grandfather was Solomon Burke. His, his, his uh, father was like one of the biggest writers for Motown. He wrote like Dancing in the Street and all of those big, huge wow. records, yeah. stuff from Marvin Gaye and, he just comes from a musical family. So I hit up Novel and I said, listen, um, I, I got this song that's important to me. I need you to knock it out the park. So he did he did a, a whole verse, though. He did the dope chorus, but then he threw a verse in there. And I was like, I already got three verses to my daughter on this. I can't. Uh, but then I was listening to his verse. So I was like, yeah, but you can't take that off. It's so dope. And right. I said, you know what? If I keep my verse, the song is too long. It, it, you know, uh, um, it's, I, I mean, uh, not, not too long. And what it, you know, what's supposed to happen, it's too long. You know, so that's why I made the joke. I said, I know the song's supposed to be over, but I gotta right. give you another one. Boom! And people actually really love love that we did that. And I'm an old school cat with songs. Now it's supposed to be over after two minutes and 12 seconds to, you know, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's go back to the, the originators where they was doing 13 minute raps and, 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 yeah. and, you know, 10 minute songs and eight minute songs and extended versions. So the song is still, if I'm not mistaken, under five minutes, you know, so it, yeah. it all worked out uh, properly. You know, it all worked out really well. And I'm very, really proud of that record. Yeah, no doubt. And before we move on, there's a couple of songs cool. we've already talked about a lot of. There is, um, I'm sorry, your video is breaking up a little bit. So I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you. you you're freezing a little bit. I hear your audio fine, but apologies if I'm interrupting. Um, no, you're not. Just, I'm, I'm interrupting yeah. by accident. It's fine. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so two songs that I wanted to um, walk, have you walk, uh, walk me through it, if you don't mind, was the first one, uh, Gotta Be Dope. You know, with your your protege Afro, who is just he slays it as do you. And I mean, when I heard that, like, I I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I had to listen to it like three times to get like wrap my head around that song, and and still wasn't wrapped around. So can you talk to me about like, you know, and DJ Jazzy Jeff is on that as well, who you know icon. So you know, can you tell me a little bit about putting that song together with Afro? And you, I mean, you rap so fast. If I remember or read correctly, you are the clocked in as the fastest rhymer correct no i i i seen that that, that uh meme that was out there w what happened was they said oh m got beat the fastest uh i don't know i guess in the hit record or whatever the fastest for the rap guard or something so somebody took both of the rhymes mine and, and m's and um Mine's faster, you know? So yeah. it's like, I think he was 11.8 or something. I was 12.5. I, I don't remember exactly, but my sure. rhyme was more words per second. It was a faster rhyme. And uh, oh, oh, was it Rap God or the other one? I don't know, whatever the fuck one it was. But they right. said, I'll oh, get his book or whatever. And uh, 
But no, my rhyme's faster. So somebody made a meme of that and, and showed it. And the reason that song happened was, uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't think M has the Guinness Book of Fastness of all songs. I think it was like of a top ten song or something like that. It's not like sure. you know, there's guys that do fourteen syllables a, a second and like or some. I, I don't know. I don't even know how to count that shit. I don't even do that. Right. I don't count syllables. I just rap. So like right. you know, um, the way that happened was, um, me and Afro did a song for my album originally. And he was my protege. And I didn't like, I thought his rap was good, but I knew I was going to eat him up on it. You know, I was like, I, I'm not going to put my protege on my album if he gives me something good that I know I'm going to eat him up. You know, right. he has to be like when EPMD used to put rappers on, that rapper would shine, you know, like yeah. they put K Solo on, Nick Knack, Paddywhack, and be like, damn, or like, you know, Redman on, on a Hardcore and like Das Effects on, uh, um, Pop, pop, pop goes the nine, uh, uh, <laughs> or whatever. They, they they put dots on things. They they would always bring their artists on to like really shine, you know. Right. And uh, so when he gave me a good ass verse, I knew I'd eat him. So I, I've kind of deaded the song. I was like, ah, the song isn't even up to par for the album. The beat's okay. His rhymes dope, but and then uh, I called him. I said, hey, listen, I got this beat. I'm gonna send it to you. I sent it to him, and he was like, yo, that beat's crazy. So I said, dope. I said, now I need you to kill me on it. I need you to come from my head and try to fucking splatter my brain. Like, don't give me no cool shit. Go crazy. And then when he gave his verse back, I was like, oh, fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> this kid is this kid. Oh, Jesus, this kid. Ah, oh, this kid, you know? So then I had to lock myself in the room and really like, you know, two days. <laughs> all those syllable murdering. <laughs> you know, so... That was Afro inspired me to uh, uh, go really hard, you know, because he, them young kids, they come for your head if you, if you, if you, yeah. you know, if they see blood or whatever, you know, I, you know, I think the first time he's like, oh, Ra's my father figure. He's, he's, I love Ra, and I'm gonna give him a dope verse, and we're gonna have fun on the track. I don't want to have fun with you, motherfucker. I want you to try to take my head off, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> come on, motherfucker. So, so it's a really one of them records where we both going for each other's heads and and we we're both very competitive with each other and, and i think it turned out to be a great record and then and then um you know jazzy jeff one of the greatest scratch djs yeah. of all time came in and really really murdered the cuts for me so totally uh did. shout out to the all-time great dj jazzy jeff yeah awesome i that's so cool i didn't know that afro was one who inspired that like the flows on that are just you know, mind-bending so you know, props well, he, inspired, sure. he inspired me to go, you know, because the fast rapping, you want to do it because the fans really love it, you know, but then, yeah, but then, um, now everybody does and everybody does and everybody does and everybody does it, you know, so, you know, I was doing fast flows for decades and so now like that's hot topic again. Okay. Okay. So you want to go, okay, I could pull back and do slow better than your slow rappers, you know? So right. then it's like, do I even want to do a fast rap anymore? But then you go, yeah, you want to show the world that you could do it better than all these motherfuckers that are doing it. So do a couple, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, sometimes you got to throw them fast flows and say, yo, you, you kids think you're nice. Look, look what, I, what the old man could do. I'll fucking eat you, you know? So that was a young boy with an old man solo. He, he's like from our era, even though he's not, right. he's, not he's, he's our era. He's not yeah. like one of these young boys, you know? 
No, like all the artists he shouts out in his rhyme are like, that's what I grew up on. And that's why I love you is, you know, the people you give respect to, that's what I grew up on too. So super cool to hear that. Is, is that a Baphomet goat over your shoulder? It is. Yes. Um, not satanic. I'm just all over the place. I, I, uh, I'm into occultism. I'm in, into Hinduism. I'm like being interviewed by the Baphomet goat staring at me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He's placed there intentionally just to fuck with you. But um, I'm oh, like, okay, so, I gotta go put my kids back to sleep. I'll see you later. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like that. I promise. Um, but yeah, before I get into the other song, um, I so I in this kind of segues, I I work weekly. Aside from being an author and, and a public speaker, that's what I do for a living. In, in this podcast, uh, every week I go down to a residential mental health facility for teenagers. There's two campuses: one for uh, boys and one for girls and they're 13 to 19 years old and um, first of all sometimes we'll talk about music and I'll bring my guitar in and play a little bit for them but whenever I ask them like who they're listening to it's like little this or little that and it's like all right I don't want to hate on anyone and they're saying how you know they're such great rappers and I'm like all right cool and then I put on your verse from gotta be dope and this was a like a month ago and they were all just jaw on the floor like wait who's that because you know they don't know like they don't know slug they don't know you they don't know like the really good shit but um anyways i just wanted to give you respect for that it was really cool to see them just flip out yeah yeah, that's the thing when you when you uh play play some of my stuff for people who don't know about that's why i'm always able to grab new fans too because like you know, like, wait, I heard the name and somebody plays the album and they go, oh, my God, this guy. So, like, a lot of times it takes a little introducing, you know. So, yeah. so Absolutely. thanks for showing. Thanks for showing some of your kids. Always. Do in my camp, because we don't have the big online promotion like some of these guys, but we, we try. That's yeah. what I love. You're independent. You do it yourself. You put your money into this. Like, you know, this this is you. It's not a team of people. So you know, very DIY and that's, you know, close to my heart too. Um, so yeah, going back to the teens, um, you know, so I've been doing that for five years and these are young, you know, young adults that are there for addiction, for suicide attempts, self-harm, um, you know, eating disorders, you name it. And I mean, it's not like a cry for help. They're really in it and, uh, it's very difficult work, heart, you know, heavy heart stuff, but you do this song, um, wondering off the record and i'm not too proud to say i cried man i cried when i heard that and sometimes i still cry when i listen to it the video the song it just you know it it strikes a chord right in my heart so you know i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that song yeah of course yeah um that's a a song based on quite a few different stories you know even though it's it's three stories in one it's still like the second story is based on three different stories and intertwined into one story, you know, right. and the third story, there's a couple other people from the neighborhood that we know. So, you know, they're all based on real characters, you know, the, uh, yeah. the heroin addiction, obviously Long Island is crazy right now. And I you, you meet a lot of people who lost loved ones. And then the relationship between the mother losing her child, you know, uh, my stepmother lost two kids, my sister lost her son. So, yeah. It's easy to write from that perspective because people who you love a lot have lost their children. So 
those were the strongest bars, I think, to me at least, that that make you know when the mother loses her kid at the end and she's reminiscing oh, yeah. about him being a little boy and baseball and all, uh, little league and and yeah. she's just you know and I said uh, how could a mother live? Uh, I don't even remember the rhyme, but <laughs> you know <laughs> when she buries her own son, you know it's right. like damn. So uh, that was all based on real people, you know, and people who I knew in the neighborhood who were young and they died over that stupid shit, you know. And then yeah. the second part, the first verse was, you see, when I first started the song, I started writing it. It was almost like a still get through the day part two. It started like, you know, I was you right. know, talking about my life and my family. And then I was like, ah, you know, there's too much like that record. I've been there before, you know, and. And but then then I was like, you know what though? It's a nice introduction to the other stories, almost some Rod Serling Twilight Zone shit. So I started off with a little eight bar intro of who I am, what I've been through. Right. Boom. Go to the chorus and then we tell the stories of other people, you know. So it's grounded in, hey, this man telling the story been hit a little bit too. So uh so yeah. And then the second story about the the woman who who was raped, that's based on a real person and and uh, she didn't commit suicide, but I know someone else who committed suicide. So it's a couple that was based on two different events. And, uh, you know, it's just tr- I like storytelling. And I think sometimes yeah. when you share stories that people have been through and you could it's almost like uh, uh, journalism where you're reporting and you're looking through experiences and you, you talk to people who've been through things and you write the story. So, uh, or nonfiction writing or, you know, however you want to do. So I like storytelling and really sometimes when you, you know, tell people the story that they've been through or somebody they they know been through, you know, a lot of loss, it really touches people. And and, uh, so I like to do those kind of stories, you know, sometimes, you know. Yeah. So, and I know, I mean, you, you're very transparent about what you've been through on your albums and I do want to get into that a little bit with you. Um, but before that, you know, if, if, if you don't mind me asking, uh, if you were in a room with, with like say 15 teenagers, you know, in this mental health facility, what, I, I, I know like advice is kind of cliche, but what would you say to them? You know, they're, they're, they're like feeling broken. They're feeling hopeless They're I mean, you know, they're young and they just already have kind of given up on themselves. Um, you know, yeah, well, what would you say? Well, the thing is, uh, because I make songs the way I do sometimes, you know, I have that, those kind of songs. I get a lot of people who are suicidal or going through yeah. it or lost kids or lost family members or have, you know, uh, handicapped people, you know, in their family who are suffering and, so a lot of people contact me, you know, and want me to give them advice. And, and it's, it's not always easy because, you, you know, you don't want to sound pretentious. You don't want to sound like you're just, oh, it's the mother of my kids. I thought, I thought it was my son waking up. So that's good. So even if they do wake up, we'll cover it. Hey, Rini. I thought, I'm doing an interview right now. I thought, uh, I thought she was one of the kids coming down here. I was like, oh, my God. All right. Um, it's lot. It's uh, it's recording. Or I'll talk to you later. But I'm glad it's you and not the kids. All right. How you doing? All right. It's all right. Yeah. So um. Oh, 
Yeah, so it's it's not always easy. What do you tell them? You say, oh, it's going to get better, you know, but they hear that from everybody, you know, right. or, you know, all the loss, all the hurt that, you know, that's there to strengthen you and give you power. And, but, you know, it's, uh, you could, you could tell them, it's almost like when somebody's going through drug addiction and you, you want to stop somebody from doing heroin. How do you stop them? What do you say to them? We love you. People care about you. We need you. It's all, that's all true. But how do you convince somebody? So to sit yeah. in a room full of kids that are, that really want to end their lives, you know, you could say, "Hey, like, look, it, this is a small part of your life. You're young. Like, trust me. Just give it some time, and you know, a few years in the future, it's going to be a new sunshine. It's going to be a new uh, universe for you. You're not even going to worry about the problems you're worrying about today, but." You know, but does a kid really even digest that or want to hear that or even understand it? You know, so uh, it's yeah. it's a hard thing. What do you tell somebody when, when they, they, they want to hurt themselves? You know, whether it's drugs, whether it's whether it's a self-inflicted, you know, and, and uh, thoughts of suicide. It's there's, you know, you're only one person and you could you could try your hardest. You could look them in the eyes and give them honesty and say, hey, the world needs you. The world loves you. There's. I know it seems like the world's against you. I know it seems like everyone hates you. I know it feels like the world will be better without you and your family will be better without you. But none, none of that is true. None of it is true. You know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I appreciate she, she, that. Uh, the, the mother of my kids is here. She's hearing me say this stuff. Like, why don't you go listen to yourself? <laughs> like, you really have suicide <laughs> advice for people, you suicidal motherfucker. <laughs> Well, you're the last person could have suicide advice, all right? <laughs> you'd be sitting on like this half the time. You know? No, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I appreciate your, your, you know, I would expect nothing less of your honesty. Um, you know, and I, the way I approach it is I've been through addiction. I've, I've attempted suicide myself, so I've been in psych hospitals. I've been in detoxes, rehabs, jail cells, more emergency rooms than I count. I mean, it's, it's literally a miracle that I'm alive. I was intubated at one point because uh, my I don't know what that word level. means, what intubated means. Oh, sorry. So it's, I wasn't breathing anymore. I, I was a 0. 0.6 uh, alcohol level and I wasn't breathing. So they had to put a tube in my lungs to breathe for me uh -huh. and then another tube in my stomach to like flush it out. So it got really bad for me for a long time. But the way I approach it with the teens is instead of, you know, I try to help them and, and, and give them advice in a way but I think it's more of the example you know seeing like I made it through that and so many of my friends uh have died to overdoses to suicide and and things of that nature and you know I, I don't know why I'm still here and they're not but um that's why I feel so compelled to do that and and work with them and you know to circle back to wondering that's why that song just really really hit me and uh I just want to say thank you for putting that out there and the fact that you didn't hold back which of course you won't, but you know, the way, you know, you worded everything, it was raw and it, it just made me think of, uh, I'm a big fan of Charles Bukowski, the writer, and his stuff is very visceral and that's, you know, it hit me the same way his writing does. So, uh, I really respect you for that and, and thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate so, that. Thanks. So while we're talking about mental health struggles, I mean, like I said, you're transparent about what you've been through and 
Um, and I mean, I know you're transparent about it. you still struggle, as do I. I still get depressed. I still have thoughts of like picking up drugs again or, you know, once in a while the suicidal ideations might come back. So how have you, through the years, found, how did you find the way to kind of uh, bring yourself back, kind of rein yourself in? And now how do you, you cope with it? I'm sure your kids play a big role in that, but, um, you know, can, can you tell oh, me yeah. about that? You know, the kids, uh, kids, you'd be like, that's, you know, if they wasn't here, maybe it's time to go, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, maybe wait till they're 18 or something, you know? So, <laughs> give them a, all right, go, you know, how to, how to, um, mother bird say, hey, go fly, you know? Yeah, I'm right. 18, time to fly. Daddy's out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I was, uh, just, just make it to 18, you know? You guys are really, the kids are 18, <laughs> so do you, it was, is it my just first, your my kid? first step was I, I got rid of all the baphomet goats in my house <laughs> i should have moved it no but i keep it real too <laughs> uh, but yeah no really like if you don't mind like you know i'm very fascinated in people yeah, that your have... mind lies to you too because then you know you get beat up in your head and you, your mind starts saying oh maybe everybody's better without you maybe even your kid maybe you bad influence on your kids, maybe mm. you're too crazy, maybe maybe everybody's better without you, you know, so your mind tells you crazy shit, so you start thinking everything worse than it is, you know, so it's not always, uh, your kids don't always save you, you know, so, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so you got, when the demons are in your head lying to you, you gotta make sure that you don't let them lie to you too, too, too loud, or you don't believe them, or whatever wording I'm trying to look for. No, I feel but you. I know that, hey, uh, you know, uh, they do need you, you know, so yeah. people do need you in the world, you know, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so, um, you know, today, like you start the record out by saying, you know, back in the day, like you had mental problems and here you are, like a lot of people couldn't have come back from that. And you didn't just come back, like you come out with this record that's fucking, it's a hip hop iconic album already. Um, you know, what would you attribute that to? It, aside from your kids, is there anything else, or was it really just the yeah, kids? It's uh, it's the competitive nature of of hip hop, where I came from, where you know it was always to top what was there. You know, you know, like when uh, when DMC came out, they were trying to top. You know you know, Houdini, you know, then when, when, uh, EPMD came out, they was trying to top the, you know, and then when Kim came out, they was trying to top, you know, this guy Kane came out that was always trying to step it up another notch and step it up another notch. You know, it, it, it was more in modern hip hop where it goes, Oh, we just kind of make music and whatever the vibe is, we're not competing with each other. It's like, but I'm not from that era. I'm from an era of, of stage dominance and show rocking, party rocking, whoever the best is in the, in the building, whoever left the best imprint for the night, you know? So, so if I'm going to do an album, it has to be uh, high caliber, high level, or I don't, I don't feel like doing one. You know, I don't ever want to do one again if it's not going to be uh, high caliber level. And it is... Uh, you know, when you're doing it independently, there's so much work attached to p 
putting out the album and promoting the album and getting the videos done and trying to figure out ways for the world to hear it. And, you know, because every time when you do it independently, oh, it's so underrated. It's such a great album, but it's underrated. It's like you get tired of hearing the underrated title. You know, you want to be like, yo, you know, you want to be appreciated for the work you do sometimes, you know. So, and there's people like yourself who, who do appreciate that. So, you know, we appreciate you guys. Like I said on the damn song, I said, you know, for every fan who said my music saved their life, it's for you. Without the love from fans, I'd be dead. You saved my life too. You know, it's like, uh, I eat off of you guys just as much as you eat off of me. It's like the whole circle, you know, it's like, yeah. that's the thing too that goes in your mind. You go, all these people are very committed to you and, you know, loyal to you. And if you, if you give them something less and disappoint and don't give them something that they could brag to everybody they know about being a fan of yours, you got to give them something that they're proud. Like, damn, yo, this is why I support him over these other rappers because look at the shit he does, you know? You got to give them that or there's no reason to give them anything. Obviously, I could put out music that I'm not proud of for, for, for money, you know? I could uh, go to the studio next week, get 10 beats, rap to 10 beats in a week or two and just release it and make a ton of money, put it up on iTunes, you know, make, make you know, $100,000 off a new album, you know, with no promotion, with no, you know, don't spend any money on studio, give some low quality shit, you know, right. but I can't do that. I take my money, I put it all into music videos, all into promotion, all into, all into, uh, you know, uh, mixing and producing and, and, you know, bringing live musicians in and mastering. I, I just really make sure that it's top quality, uh, top, as top quality as it could possibly get. You know. So. Yeah, which it absolutely is. So you know, lyrically, you're not your flows are not only amazing, but um, you know, your words, you're as degenerate as you might say you are. You're extremely intelligent and you're very well versed in the ways of the world. Well, on uh, record. Well, all right. So you do a good job on the record, but yeah, do I, don't, no, I, I don't function that properly in the in the real world. I'm a kind of bit of a mess. But on records, I could yeah. I could uh, sound like I, I know a little something, huh? <laughs> you, yeah, definitely. What? So that's what I want to ask. Is I know like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. You know, this is all you know uh, corporate or corporate monetized, whatever. Where do you? go to you know for your like your education where where do you learn from um what you know is it reading is there sources all of the above you know it's like you gotta listen to every side you have to listen to all narratives you have to listen to you know you have to read all type of uh historical um events that that actually took place and things that are debated and not debated and, and you gotta you know and you can't just read one source and swear, hey, I uh, I know the truth because I read a book. You know, you got to, you know, because right. the guy who wrote that book might have an agenda. The guy that wrote that book might be ignorant, you know. And I learned that from first hip hop where, like, I've seen, like, all these writers, you know, like hip hop people who supposedly are the, are the professionals, right, on a craft that I've studied my whole life. And I know pretty much most of the history of it. And uh, I see all the false information and false facts and and screwed up timelines and all. Like I'm like, damn, these are the writers. They get everything fucking right. wrong. 
So if they right. was doing it in hip hop, I go, well, what the fuck are they doing with all of history? Like not just them, I'm, I'm talking about historians. So you're taking, sure. just reading a book, you can't just take the one book. You have to read, if you really wanna have an opinion on something, you have to take quite a few sides of it, you know? And like you yeah. said, you got the MSNBCs and you got the Fox and you got one group of people that listen to the MSNBC because that's a super, um, super left, but not even left, super Democrat, like right. uh, uh, fake ass news. And then you got the Fox and super right, fake ass news. So it's like they have these agendas and people want to go where they feel protected by the side of the story that they want to believe. You know, so if you listen to Fox all new day, you're going to believe something. If you listen to MSNBC all day, you're going to believe something. And that's part of the division. There's really no uh, in the middle, you know, uh, nobody's in the middle. Nobody tells you the news. They just want to tell you the news that is going to feed their agendas. They they don't care about news. News isn't, you know, the real news isn't isn't important to them. They, They don't tell you the real news, you know. So you have to look around at everything. You know, and uh, and you see uh, when you do that, you see so much. Uh... Oh, thanks, kiddo. You going to bed? All right. I, I, I got about another 15 minutes here. Yeah, the kids are all. Uh, what's Oh, you printed that out. I, I got paperwork from Switzerland right. uh, because I have to do a show there this weekend. And. Uh, you know, with COVID, you have to bring all this strict paperwork to make sure you're working there for a reason and or whatever, you know, you just got to make right. sure. Right. So. Well, so yeah, it, that's something I want to ask you about is uh, it's great that you're able to get on the road and do live shows to support the record. What's it like now out there in, in Europe um, doing these shows during COVID? Well, I, I, had, I lost all my tours, you know, like everybody else. Right. I, I you know, the album dropped. It had great reviews. It got, you know, a lot of fans. Everybody was talking about it. Not everybody, but, you know, a ton of people talking about right. it. It went number three on the commercial charts in, 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 you know, on the R&B charts in England. It went number 22, Billboard US, you know. Uh, so, you know, and like number one on all the iTunes charts when it dropped. It, it did great all over the world, France, Germany, and uh and, you know, but I couldn't tour off of it because of COVID. But that's the problem that everybody's going through. But now, uh, last week in Belgium was my first show, finally. Uh, they did, like, right. a, a COVID-friendly show. And, you know, nobody got COVID going to it. You, you're all set in chairs and you wore your fucking masks. And uh, <laughs> it's not like what I like. I like to really interact and, right. you know, blow sweat and tears and moshing and, and bringing people on the stage to dance. And if somebody could spit really dope, bring them dope rapper up, bring a beatboxer from the street up, you know, like, yeah. you know, up on chairs and, and hug people and sweat on people. Like my shows are really interacting with the crowd. That's what they always have been. So sure. now what it is, you got to stay on the stage. <clears throat> and they said, oh, uh, I was trying to get everybody to jump and scream and, and they said, oh, you're not allowed to get them to jump. They have to stay seated. And I was like, well, it's our ratio. They were jumping like crazy. It's like, yeah, next time we should have told you ahead of time, but you can't. So now Switzerland, I'm doing a show on Saturday. And I guess I'm not allowed to make them jump. But everybody, it had been so long since people had went to a rap show in Europe. 
Yeah. So um, Belgians were fucking hitting me up all week saying, oh, it was the greatest experience. It was legendary. It was awesome. So where I was kind of insecure, like, you know, that's not an RA show. But I knew everybody felt good. I knew everybody did have a great time. I knew it. Like when you rock it, you know, they, you, you leave knowing that they had a good time, but you're still like, damn, you know what I could have gave them? Like we were all, but, but it's a new universe. It's a new world. Like this COVID friendly show is much better than me rapping on the internet to them. So we would right. and blood to this close. They're seeing me and, uh, you know, so it's, it steps closer back to where we were at and hopefully, uh, have, my tours were for, starting in April. I was going to get so many shows. They all got canceled and pushed to October. Then October, most of them got pushed back to April again. So we'll see. Hopefully, my whole tour is started again in April. But we'll see what the world has to say about that, you know? So. Cool. I hope you... Uh, I'm in Connecticut, so uh, we don't get a lot of good hip-hop. It's usually we have to go to New York or Mass. But uh, hopefully, we will see you around this area sooner than later. Connecticut, my guy John Scully's out there. He's uh Oh yeah. He's a boxing uh he fought for the title a few times. He was a contender. And then he, he trained a couple champions to become champion fighters. John Ice Scully. Look him up. He he's, he's one of the best guys I know. He's he's a really great guy. But he's a Connecticut I went to his gym and we sparred a few rounds. You know, he kept it easy on me, you know. He <laughs> you know, He's like, oh, that jab, but come on, you know, I'm jabbing him, but, you know, he's a professional fighter and he's sparred with all the greats. So, uh, and when he was a little kid, he was getting like, you know, pointers from Archie Moore, one of the greatest fighters that ever lived. And, you know, he was, he met Muhammad Ali, all them, you know, so wow. trained fighters to beat Bernard Hopkins. So, uh, you know, my little stupid little, and plus it was on tour. So, like, we stopped at his gym, and I'm doing my little jab for a couple rounds. But, you know, those guys, they used to doing 10, 12 rounds. I'm winded after, like, two and a half. <laughs> like, oh, shit, oh, shit, you know. And then he, yeah. he threw, like, just play with me, pow. And I felt my nose kind of go, I was like, oh, shit. If he wanted to put a little more power on that, he probably could have snapped, snapped that shit. You know, <laughs> professional fighters, people sleep on um how... uh I, you know, they're professionals. That's what the fuck they do. You know, you right. think a guy looks like a normal guy, but they're not normal. They're professional fighters. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you could be a tough guy rapper, but these are professional fighters, you know? So go in there with three rounds. Go go in there three rounds with one of them guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> um, So obviously you talk about the MAGA hats and Trump supporters on the record, but I also know you're not a fan of Biden, which I understand. What are your thoughts on this election? Like, well, it's it's exactly what you just just heard. It's a uh, uh, it's a mess. It's disgusting. Biden's a horrible yeah. person, I you know. You. And uh, I mean, he's a disgusting person, horrible person. And we're on this whole anti police brutality movement. So they get like a DA Kamala Harris, and they get Joe Biden, one of the strictest, you know, crime bill motherfuckers, you know, like. Yeah. So, like, really? And they're, oh, yeah, we got to get them out. You know, like, wait, are we on this anti-police brutality mission right now? Is this really what we're on? Or is that fake? Because why are we gravitating now towards Biden and Kamala, you know? So right. it's, uh, and, you know, uh, Trump is, is 
pro police brutality. You know that you know he's pro not just pro cop, pro police brutality. There's, For sure, yeah. You know he's had those statements where he said, "Oh, and when you put him in a police car, you know, bang their head on the car," and you know, like he yeah. said this. He, Trump's words, no, he didn't. No, go Google the quotes. Go, go there's video of him yeah. talking about yeah, and when you get the criminal, put him and bang their head in the car and take him away. You know he's very uh, you know. And the, death the good penalty. old days when they would uh, take him out on the stretcher, he said, at a rally for someone interrupting. Like, oh, very yeah. pro. Yeah, it was like last year, but it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we got, you know, supposedly, uh, yeah, there's no change. There's no change. And we're all going to stay, stay. Uh, Biden and, and Kamala, they're pro war as could be. And, you know, Joe Jurgensen, she she put up a cool meme the other day where it said, you know, if uh, the non-voters was, were, were in election 2016, I'm probably wording it wrong. And it showed all the states that it would be, you know, they would have wiped the red and blue off the map if the non-voters voted, you know. So yeah. it's like everybody goes, oh, if you're a third party person, you're a vote for Trump or you're a vote. No, it's stupid idiots. like. Look at how many people you haven't tapped into that aren't voting. Why, why don't yeah. these people, you know, go and fight for their votes rather than yelling at, uh, you know, uh, Susan Sarandon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the Dawn of the Dead poster. Um, I get, I write for Fangoria, which is awesome. I think we have a mutual friend in Tony uh, Timpone uh, over Fangoria. Oh, um, I love Tony, is he st- I thought he retired, though. Uh, no, well, Fangoria just went through a, a shift with ownership. Um, but yeah, no, he's going to be on the new, it's, it premieres, I think, Saturday or Sunday night, the new uh, series uh, or season of Eli Roth, History of Horror Show, which he was on last season. Um, oh, but yeah, he's still doing stuff with Fangoria. I guess he, he left the editor position for the guy Chris Alexander years ago, right? Was that yeah. Movie? Right. So I don't know exactly what his title is, or, but I know he's still, you know, associated with it in some way. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, just a Tony, writer for them. Tony's a sweetheart. He's a great guy. You know, the first time I met Tony was, uh, they were screening Demon Knight. Uh, remember that movie Ernest Dickinson of directed? Course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I don't know where I was. Maybe it was a horror convention. And he's like, hey, you want to see this Demon Knight? Well, it wasn't out yet. It was like, you know, a week before it came out. He's like, we're going to have a screening. So he gave me, and I was dating some purple hair girl. And me and the purple hair girl, we went to see Demon Knight. And that's the first time I met Tony in person, I think. But we knew who we, each other was because he, he's friends with Frank Hanelotta. And Hanelotta is one of my dear friends. And, you know, so shout out to Tony Timpone. Yeah, I love Tony. Yeah. I'm going to have to let him know uh, he came up in this conversation. But yeah. so horror, I, I see you wearing like horror shirts a lot of, in a lot of the pictures you post, which I love. Like horror is my genre. Like I love it. Um, you know, I'm, it's just, I'm actually working on a new book right now. It's a horror book, but also like how can we learn more about ourselves and use horror to, you know, become more integrated humans. And it's fun as hell because horror is more than just like splatter to me anyways. But what are some of your favorite horror films? Like I've seen you in a Phantasm shirt, I think, and uh, I forgot what else. Uh, but well, I love Phantasm. I, I went yeah. to see when they did the the new uh, the the remastering on the big screen. That was a great night. Yeah, yeah. Phantasm on the big screen, and it 
brought out all my childhood uh, happiness. I was excited like a little fat kid at 10 years old all over again. <laughs> I love Phantasm. And and in fact, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the Phantasm films and, and uh, Don Coscarelli. I was, I was in the studio and Don Coscarelli was doing a book signing. I, I saw it on Instagram. One of the girls, I think, um, oh, who's home girl? The girl, uh, oh my God. The girl from Phantasm 2. Uh, oh, shit. Fuck? I yeah. feel like a piece of shit. She's awesome and she's beautiful and she's cool and she was a penthouse pet and yeah, but you know, you know who I'm talking about. She was like, "I love I do, your bald yes. head." Yeah, I love your bald head and and she, you know, and then her hair came out at the end of the movie. But she uh, she had posted something. Oh, we're all Phantasm crew is doing a book signing at. Uh, so I was like, "Oh shit!" And I was in California. I'm like, "Fuck it!" You know what? You were supposed to meet Don for years. Go go stop by the bookstore. So I stopped by and I met Reggie and Don and the whole crew and cast of, of Phantasm. Not Michael, but everybody. It was right. it was a really cool quick minute. I think the place was closed and I got there late, so ten minutes. Don knew who I was because you know we communicate and and he was like, "This is Ari the Rugged Man. He's a famous rapper." I was like, "I was like, yeah, yo, Don." I'm a, you know, so that was nice meeting Phantasm. You know, Don. Yeah. Don. Don's the man. And uh, no, you know, I'm a big Frank and a lot of fan. I love Frank and Hook. I love Brain Damage. I love Basket Case. I love Basket yeah. Case 2 even. I, I like 3 even, you know, but I don't know. Uh, um, there's so many incredibly great horror films in history, so it's yeah. hard to like, which ones do you like? I don't know. You know which one? I'm not saying, well, the, the original Cat People, the Turner, you know, version, version yeah. the original, mm-hmm. is one of the greatest films ever made, horror. But yeah. um, I was just talking about the remake. I have like this love and hate relationship with the damn remake, the Paul Schrader version. You know, it's like I, I watch it all the time. I watch it like every year or two or three, every three years for like since it came out. And I'm always like, is this the greatest or is it terrible or is it the worst or is it great? Or I hate this movie. I, I really like this movie. And I think about it and, and, then, and then I put it like, I'm like, should I watch the cat people like a no, it sucks compared to the original. And, and I'm like, put it on. And I'm like, is this movie great? I like it's one of these movies. Yeah, you have any movies like that where you like have a love-hate relationship with it, where you're like, is this great or is it what am I looking for? Like so so I think it's really actually good. But I think because the original's so perfect, you start going, This is too much. They're doing too much. They don't need to do all of this. So the cat people is the cat, you know. But then you go, right. nah, different picture. It's a different film he's making. So appreciate this film because because not the cat people it's not the original film so so i just rewatched that recently and uh i got the same thing i said i think i really like it this time <laughs> i think i like it a lot this time. you know that's so. like me with um the rob zombie halloween remakes um i catch a lot of shit for this but i love the original you know halloween uh, is, is my shit i'm um but when rob zombie did it i I like what he did with it. You know, John Carpenter said, make this your own. And I know John Carpenter didn't like it. Anything in the world. See, Did you like that one? Yeah, so that's what you're saying. Am I crazy? Is this awesome or is this terrible? Because I know the second one's super hated on, but uh, I love it. And then I'm like, wait a minute, is it horrible? Like, so just exactly what you said is my experience. I hate it. One. I hate it so much. I remember Most the first, people do. first one, it wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I said, eh, you know, whatever. And I liked the one scene when little Michael Myers had the he had, he had the mask on. So it was right, like, yeah, kid Michael. I thought there was some cute moments like that, but like the second one, I like. I really 
disliked it. Like I did, I remember sitting there like angry, like I disliked this movie <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. So I, I, I remember, oh yeah, like, you know what it is? Rob Zombie has this tendency, which it's his style, you know, uh, uh, Devil's Rejects, House of yeah. Corpses, uh, House, House of Corpses. He makes everybody kind of unlikable. And all his characters are like unlikable. And yeah, but you you gotta have somebody you kind of like in a movie. You somebody you relate to, somebody you want to fuck with, somebody that that you care about. And Rob never does yeah. that. But that's his style. I'm not, you know, not, oh, Rob sucks because no, no. So I deal with it in some of his films. But then like part two, then he turns Loomis into like this terrible guy that's like right. ego maniac asshole right. jerk and that like and I was like now nah, now everybody has to be like it's just like I, I don't remember much about it but th- that's one of the things I, I said yeah Rob slow down that everybody is dislikable on the planet thing in every movie especially Halloween 2 like you're making the Loomis character way less interesting and what I hated about the first one was the thing that's so great about Halloween the original is is evil evil exists you don't evil. know the backstory yeah no, no, yeah. you don't even need because he, the the backstory is that he's evil. That's scarier. But when he start, took all the um, horror cliches of a serial killer and put it in Michael, oh, he's he's you know torturing an animal. Oh, he's seen right. his mom sex in front of uh, a guy. Like that's every horror movie and every, you know the yeah. oh the mother was doing sexy stuff in front of the kid i was like so he was taking all the cliches of serial killers and, and turned it into halloween i'm like no you just took everything that actually works from evil <laughs> like the kid is born he's evil you know you took everything away from that and turned it into a psychological cliche of every cliche yeah. so so i wasn't a fan of the rob zombie um halloween's but I respect that he's um, making the films. You know, he was a musician. He had this huge, uh, enormous career as, uh, right. as you know, Rob Zombie and, and a great music career. And then he loved films. So he, he made this career and he gets everything financed and he makes movies, movies, movie after movie. So you can't knock his hustle. Like he's really like, I respect Rob Zombie a lot, even yeah. if some of his films aren't for me. Like, so it's not like, uh, yeah, so I respect that he's a man that was able to do music, do movies, do all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, actually, I'm actually a fan of the man more than I'm a fan of the, the film. film. You no, know? so, yeah, yeah. Oh, I respect that. I know I'm in the minority on that one, so um, I I own it. So, last thing, I I know we're just about out of time, but uh, September 26th, you posted on um, social media that. All My Heroes is Dead will most likely be your final album. Is that, do you think, because you're feeling fatigued after it, or are you just feeling like you're you're done? Well, I'm not done as an MC. I'm still going to be murdering sure. everybody, you know? But um, making an album takes, for me, it's a lot of draining and straining. And, and like, I know that sounds like pretentious, but it's not because Right. I'm not normal with my thoughts. Like nothing's ever good enough and this and that. So it's like when I work on an album, I have to bring in, I really go really deep into it, you know, and not the writing, the writing's the easy part, but, um, uh, maybe COVID's kicking me in the ass. Cause I, I don't have like, like, like what happens when I, when I do an album, I go and, and that year I'll tour and do 150 shows. Right. 
So I have money every night, boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. So I could take that money and reinvest it in myself. So I'll sit in the studio for hours and days and days and days and work on stuff. And you know, uh, uh, and right now I, 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 I'm like, do I want to go and spend two, three years locking myself in the room writing and locking myself in the studio recording and mixing and making something that I'm, you know. Like, do I want to do that, or do I take three, four years of my life and and uh, and uh, you know find another venture? And and another thing, it's like I see a lot of the new school kids, the way they do it. This is what's also coming to mind: is they do songs, they shoot videos, and they drop them, and the things get way more. You know, if you drop one at a time they get way more recognition per song where you drop 20 songs at the same time and everyone hears them at that time. And then, you know, it kind of slows down. But if I'm thinking maybe what I would do is make songs, make songs and do videos and drop songs and try not, no need to torture myself of making this perfect, perfect, uh, structured, uh, you know, theatrical experience from every, you know, like, like, sure. you know, the award might not be fully what it needs to, I don't know, you know, COVID got everybody fucked up right now because yeah. we're in a different situation. It's in a different universe. And now the internet and the, the, the attention span thing, you say, Hey, if I make like, cause I thought about it, I said, if I took all my heroes is dead and dropped one song every month after I, I you know, made it with a video or something, would it would it have been even bigger, but it mm. just wouldn't have been an album, or you know, and that's that's also what happens is you drop things and then you work on things and then and then songs get leaked or songs get heard in studios yeah. and then other people go oh that's interesting and then they bite a flow or they work on things so so if you make the song drop it make the song drop it it's documented that you 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 did it <laughs> you know yeah. so I, rather than this the song can't come out until the whole you know, picture is worked out properly and makes sense. And so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll make a movie this year. I got a couple, uh, scripts, you know, and maybe I'll just go to Belgium or Norway or one of these European countries and get a great DP and a couple of really incredible actors and shoot something small and beautiful, you know, not beautiful. I'm not saying beautiful, uh, the story so beautiful. I'm saying like, you know, I have a great DP that could really photograph it and make it look beautiful. And right. and some incredible actors that make your words sound like they're good. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so so I'm thinking maybe before I leap forward into locking myself in a studio for a year or two, uh, maybe I'll do a feature film to lock myself in the house for a year and do a movie, you know? Or a couple movies, you know. So, what? Yeah. Uh, just quickly, uh, what genre would you would you be doing? Like, what horror to you? Horror. horror. Awesome. Yeah. Horror. I have one biopic that uh, that I'd love to make, and uh, from a legend, but an underground legend uh, about an underground legend, and I always talk to her about doing it, and uh, but the problem is that. I can't make that small with a DP and a couple actors. It's like a big picture. So like that, I want to just figure out, make a, 
I have to shop that one, you know, and, and I don't know if I even want to direct that one. It's just a big, big picture. It's, uh, but I don't want to say nothing about who or what, but, uh, sure. Yeah. I got a really interesting biopic under my belt that I'm working on, but I, I you know, I'd want a budget for that. Like that's something where you got to go shop and get 10, 15 million and, and attach, you know, a couple name actors to it and make it real, you know? So yeah. The other ones that I'm talking about, you know, I'm thinking I can make for a couple hundred thousand, you know, so. Well, my fingers are crossed that you get to do it. I'm sure it would be sick as hell. So um, hopefully we'll see that. I'm really glad to hear you're not hanging up the mic. I got nervous when I read that post. So, yeah, everything yeah, you said I, makes said, sense. I just said my final album. I'm, I'm like, right. I just recorded for uh, Vinnie Paz's album. I just um, worked with DV Alias Christ. I got a hand in. Uh, I got so much stuff that I'm finishing and it's not out yet. So, uh, yeah, it's not hanging up the mic. It's just that I just don't know if I want to commit to a full, you know, full, you know, and I don't know if I want to do an album that's 10 songs and like 10 dope songs with an intro and outro. Fans would love that too, but I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to do that. I want, you know, I think that this was such a, I don't know. All my heroes is dead. It's just that every you know, it's just the album I wanted to make. So do you make something less than that? You know, do, do, do you let's just put out some dope songs and make some money off of it because the fans will buy it? No, I don't know if I want to do that. You know? Yeah, I, know. I feel you. When I finished listening to the record, I'm like, wow, where does he go from here now? Like, is it's it's a masterpiece, man. I'm not blowing smoke. Thank it's you, like Thank I said, you, it's my 2020 record, no doubt. I even bought the vinyl and I don't have a record player. I bought, you know, the download when it came out and I was like, yo, I got to support this. You know him too, right? You know who that is, right? That dude designs, the guy that did the cover. Oh, the cover art. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's a beast, man. He did, he did Hobo with a shotgun, you know, that artwork. I love that. Hell yeah. Absolutely. You know, the Blu-ray artwork for They Live really good. Yeah. Yeah. He did that. I mean, he did, Tons oh, of wow. Work. He did the poster work for uh, uh, the HG, uh, the HB Lovecraft, uh, um, Jesus Christ, Hardware, Richard Stanley movie, uh, Color of uh, Oh, Color yeah, of Space. Was, yeah, yeah, he did the artwork for that. That all those vibrant colors and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's a great artist, and he blessed me with my best album cover. I was like, wow. You know, so. Yeah, I copped the shirt with the cover on. I had to. It's so dope. So, uh, yeah, very cool, man. Well, R.A., thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being real as always. And uh, as tired as you are, I really appreciate you, you know, showing up and doing this. This is easy. You know how many times, like, I'll be this tired and I have to do a concert? Uh, (laughs) I don't envy you for that. All I got to do is sit on the couch and talk. We we could do that. Plus, you know what? We weren't doing no... uh, debating you know like if you're fried and you have to debate somebody then you're like "Eh, eh," you know like you're not looking to forgot your moments of me saying something stupid so i'm you know it's easy (laughs) no no, i'm a fan i i know your lyrics i know where you're coming from and uh i love it respect all of it appreciate all of it and uh and just appreciate you for putting that out into the world and really what do you think before you go Favorite horror movie? I, I yeah, well, not original movie, Hollow- movie. Oh, okay. what were you saying, sir? 
No, not movie, just just movies. Like, what are some of the ones? Because just naming one is tough most of the time, right? Or... It, oh, absolutely. No, yeah, no doubt. Um, for me, I, like, I love Fulci. I love Argento. I love a lot of the Italian and French horror because it's just extra gnarly. Um, but, you know, there's great American films, too. Uh, Bravo, you know, Bravo, love... Italy. You like Mario Bava's films? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. pretty much yeah. any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which French ones are you talking about? Like, uh, um, uh, how, why am I drawing a blank right now? The one that my fiance refuses to watch. Uh, Inside or whatever that one. No, um, a more recent one that I loved was um, High Tension. I thought that was a really good film. Um, yeah, yeah. Back, yeah, but before, oh my god, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. It starts with an M. And, uh, oh, oh and, yeah, martyrs, martyrs, martyr. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, Martyr, like I love stuff like that. It's just yeah, like I said, yeah. real gnarly. Um, but yeah, she won't watch that with me. She loves horror, but not that. So my friend Frank is uh, is on. You know, he directs under uh, Aja's wing. You know, he's uh, he did oh. the the Maniac uh, remake for yep. Aja. Frank Calhoun. He's a close, close friend of mine. But he's actually in High Tension. He. Uh, he he, you know the guy that gets killed at the um. There's a scene a guy that gets killed at uh like a convenience store or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's an axe in the stomach or something like that. But that's Frank. He's the director oh, of cool. of uh. He directed P two and he directed uh, you know the other one I said yeah yeah um, um, yeah yeah Maniac remake. But he's a good guy. He he started he was re- directing rap videos back in the day and now yeah. That's the thing I find in horror is I've interviewed like most of the legends from Kane Hodder to Doug Bradley, Bill Mosley, um, you know, George Romero before he passed, Ken Foray uh, last year from Dawn of the Dead and all these people from beyond there's yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're all like such good people, you know, like some of the sweetest people like I I interview all different kinds of people and, you know, often uh, sometimes I get like a real douchebag, but I find in the horror genre, I've never been let down. Like even Danny Trejo when Machete came out, um, I sat down with him for like an hour and a half. We had 15 minutes scheduled and literally we just, we connected and we got into stuff and what a yeah. good dude, you know, like. Our community is awesome, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, Ari, thank you for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for everything you do in the world and, uh, you know, Looking forward to hopefully seeing you back on the road here in the States sooner than later. So till then, you know, take good care of yourself, your family, and uh, be well. Thank you. And thank you for all the kind words you said about my new record. It means a lot. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, 
give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.